You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. A lot went down in the last week. There's a lot I could say about everything that happened in the last week. That guy who makes his wife fly in coach with their two teenage kids while he flies in first to Paris. That letter in the ethicist that we all saw after it went viral. Yeah, that woman needs to divorce that guy. The LA Dodgers disinviting the sisters of perpetual indulgence from their pride night, proving what we all kind of suspected about those corporate pride nights all along. And then right-wingers absolutely losing their minds because two of the women on four of the swimsuit issue covers of Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue weren't teenage girls. Conservatives took to the internet to complain. They were seriously worried. Megan Kelly said this. She was worried that teenage boys would have nothing to masturbate to, which is adorable because... As if, as if magazines, as if anyone has masturbated looking at a magazine in the last 20 years. People don't even read magazines anymore. More anti-trans legislation in more red states, anti-choice legislation moving in those same red states. Cis women, please note, the assholes passing laws to protect cis women and girls from trans women, those exact same assholes passing those laws turn around two minutes later, and attack cis women and girls. Nebraska, here's a headline. Nebraska legislature votes to fold abortion ban into bill banning trans health care for minors. So, yeah, they're bundling their hatred of women, cis and trans, into omnibus legislation. Trans women, they want to use the toilet. GOP politicians, they want you to bear your rapist's baby. Who's the threat? Now I would like to talk about a stand-up comedy special I watched this week while convalescing. John Mulaney's newish stand-up special, Baby J on Netflix, didn't come out in the last week, but I watched it in the last week. It is amazingly good. It is really, really funny. But if you have friends or family that have struggled with addiction, it's not just funny. It's important. It's healing, even. And it is very adult stuff. Turned out, though, there was a kid in the audience at the taping, a kid in the audience to hear a comedy set about drug abuse and addiction. But as it turned out, Mulaney realized after the taping had begun that there was a kid in the audience at the taping of his new stand-up special, a kid in the audience about to hear a lot of jokes about drug abuse and addiction and rehab. Before I begin, uh, young man in the third row up there, uh, what's your name? Henry, okay, Henry, how old are we? 11, okay, ha <laughs> ha, wonderful. <laughs> you won't at all be <laughs> distracting me throughout the entire performance. <laughs> Henry, oh man. <laughs> Henry, do you, I don't mean this in a like, do you know who I am kind of way, but like, do, <laughs> like, do you know like who I am or did like a babysitter cancel and suddenly you were like in a van? <laughs> you know who I am? Okay, have you seen me do stand-up before? Okay, all right, well I appreciate you coming. So, um, so, 
the things that I talk about <laughs> tonight that I did recently. <laughs> I never say this, Henry. It's, I don't say this explicitly, but don't. <laughs> All right? Don't. Speaking of kids and what they might see or hear, a right-wing student group slapped posters up in bus stops all over the neighborhood where I live. Posters featuring a few risque images from a drag queen's Instagram account, pics that queen had taken out of drag, because this particular queen is going to be reading at a drag queen story hour, and, quoting from the poster here, toddlers should not be exposed to such perversion. All right, toddlers don't have Instagram accounts. So no toddler who saw this drag queen read from a children's book at a library was ever going to see those pics on that drag queen's Instagram account. A few thirst traps taken when this drag queen wasn't in drag. But lots of toddlers and other kids are going to see those pics now that they're up at bus stops near schools. Keeping score, that drag queen did not show her ass, did not show his ass to any kids. Those conservative college kids who put those posters up, they showed his ass to kids. I'm honestly a little ambivalent about drag queen story hours. If you're curious about why, I unpacked it in my conversation with writer Phoebe Maltz-Bovey on a sex and politics podcast. You can go look that up. And when I say that I'm ambivalent, I am not saying that I think there's any harm in it. But I gotta say that when I read about drag queen story hours, it seems to be events staged for straight parents who want a virtue signal to other straight parents about being the kind of straight parents who would take their kid to a drag queen story hour. And if a drag queen winds up getting shot, that is a risk these virtue signaling straight parents are willing to run. What I'm absolutely clear about, what there's no ambivalence about, is the hypocrisy and demagoguery at work here. It is the people attacking drag queen story hours. It is the people putting up flyers like the ones in the bus stops where I live who are exposing kids to risque photos, three photos lifted from the hundreds on this drag queen's account. You know, I did drag for a decade. I hosted Gay Bingo, an AIDS fundraiser in Seattle for years. It was a family-friendly event. Some folks brought their kids Kids don't look at drag queens and see sex or perversion. They look at drag queens and see clowns. Now, not all performances are for kids. Some performances are for kids. Some aren't. Some performers are for kids. Some aren't. Sometimes something that a performer might be performing is kid-friendly, and that same performer can turn around and perform something that is not kid-friendly. But some kids, like the one at Mulaney's Taping, are mature enough for material that might be too adult for other kids the same age or older. That's where parents come in. Don't want your kid exposed to drag or jokes about drug use. Don't think they're ready. Don't take them to Drag Queen Story Hour. Don't take them to see John Mulaney. But if you don't think anyone's kid should be seeing drag queens or watching John Mulaney's new special, plastering photos of drag queens in and out of drag all over bus shelters, or projecting John Mulaney's new special onto the side of a grade school full of 11-year-olds, it's a very weird way to get your point across. And if that's the way you choose to get your point across, then you are the one showing your ass.
All right, coming up on today's Savage Lovecast on the micro Savage Lovecast, tons of your Q's, lots of my A's, and joining us on the Magnum, which you can subscribe to at savage.love for more Savage Lovecast, more bonus podcasts, more live events. Zoologist Lucy Cook, author of Bitch on the Female of the Species, is here to talk about her amazing and interesting and fascinating and sometimes terrifying book, Bitch. And also, she's here to take some calls from the females of the species who listen to my show. All that coming up today. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, the very best tool for trimming your body hair. Go to meridiangrooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. Get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash savage. This episode of The Lovecast is brought to you by the good folks at Squarespace. They make it easy to build a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Head on over to squarespace.com slash savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SAVAGE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey Dan, 32-year-old cis gay man here. I think of myself as a pretty kinky and sexually liberated person, but there's one kink that I'm really into that I feel some shame around, and I'm wondering if you can help provide some context for it. I really like daddies, and I'm into dad-son play. Not so much role-playing, but the dynamic of being a son to a dad, which to me is full of intimacy mixed with some taboo. I've been seeing a guy for a few months now who's equally into this dynamic and loves being my dad. He's about the same age as me and isn't any more put together than me in real life. But it's such a hot way of relating to each other that we love to mix into sex, texting, and general conversation. I should say that as far as I'm aware, I don't have any more daddy issues than the next guy. I have a great relationship with my real dad, and he's always been available and good to me. But never in a million years would I think of him sexually and this kink or whatever it is feels completely separate from any kind of family dynamic weirdly enough to say anyway this dynamic with this new guy feels great and fun most of the time but then sometimes it hits me that it's all a bit weird and that i would be so mortified if a friend ever saw our texts or ever overheard our conversations there are obviously connotations with incest and maybe pedophilia which I would never condone and which feel like not the vibe that we're expressing to each other. Clearly, this is all pretty confusing for me. So can you help clear any of this up? Is this a morally corrupt kink and am I a bad person? Is it okay to call him a guy I'm dating dad? Why is this something that's so unthinkable to say in public? Is it unthinkable to say this in public? Everywhere you go on the internet, even people in their regular daily lives are talking about dad bods and referring to their sex partners as daddies or talking about how much, how into daddies they are. Maybe I have a bias here as an older gay man, but this like daddy stuff has extended the kind of hot shelf life of the average gay man well into middle age. So I'm pro. And the guy you're dating isn't even older than you. So all you're doing is you're taking these terms that emphasize a power differential and you're endowing them not with the meaning they originally had, but the meaning you two have created for them, which is about one of you being more in control, more dominant, maybe a few days older from the sound of things, and it not being about 
biological father-son, but being about older, wiser, more experienced, more controlling, uh, and having control that's been ceded to you. People who call their lovers, their partners, baby, don't walk around all day wringing their hands about whether they've backed themselves into a corner where they're endorsing pedophilia or invoking images of child rape. And people who call their sex partners daddy or call their sex partners boy aren't endorsing pedophilia or child rape or incest either. You're just yanking off the shelf charged terminology and repurposing it, reapplying it. And you shouldn't feel ashamed of it. And you're certainly not alone. Get on the internet, Google daddy. There's tons of straight women out there now who call their boyfriends who may not be much older or even maybe younger than they are who call them daddy. Every gay guy I know who's 32 years old has uh, been shocked when some 24-year-old they were chatting with on Grindr called them daddy all of a sudden. In a sense, to really exaggerate the age gap and the power imbalance and enjoy the charge of that by, by applying these terms. I think it's a redefinition of daddy, that there's this kind of sexual definition, a, a sexual meaning, a sexual role. And it's not about incest, not about the incest taboo. It's about what these words have meant and how they can be redefined. And you really have in your relationship and in so many other people's relationships, redefined these terms. And until people are self-conscious about calling their girlfriends baby or being called baby by their boyfriends, I don't think you guys using the D word about each other, daddy, uh, or the D word about him, anything that you should be ashamed of or afraid of uh, somebody else overhearing or reading your DMs, I assure you that the odds that somebody who might stumble across your text messages and read them, the odds that that person has also used that term in the exact same way that you're using that term, high, probably above 50, 60, 70%. Don't be ashamed. You have nothing to be ashamed of. I, I am a heterosexual woman in her mid-60s, and I have recently met a man that I really like a lot, and he seems to be falling in love with me. Well, this is really wonderful, and yet I have a conundrum. I have always been very vanilla sexually. My new friend, however, very much would like me to be his dom. For me, the problem is I am very tender-hearted. I do not like to hurt people or inflict pain on anyone. I would find that very distressing. And yet I'm also a people pleaser. And he has told me how very happy it would make him if I would do some pain play and dominatrix play with him. So what to do? I want to please him and make him happy. And yet to inflict pain on someone, especially someone I like, or to say things that would make them feel put down or embarrassed or to order someone around is so not in my nature. And I think I would find that very distressing to do. Well, you shouldn't do anything that you're very uncomfortable with. That said, 
when people express the kind of reservations that you've expressed about engaging in any sort of power exchange, dom-sub play, the image they have in their head is often cliches about BDSM, about dominatrixes, about uh, power exchange and how it might work. And of course, the dom is cruel and snarling and the pain is intense. And that's not necessarily how it has to go. Uh, Maduri, uh, fetish goddess Maduri, who's been a guest on this podcast, she does weekends, retreats, and has written a lot and created a lot of content about women finding their dom, their dom style, their inner dom, um, and learning how to express that. And there's this thing that she says early on, and she's posted this on Instagram, so I'm not giving away any sort of uh, secrets that Midori would rather you take her classes and uh, compensate her uh, for learning, and she deserves to be compensated. She's very smart and very wise. That her first question challenge for a woman who's exploring Dom sub play with a new partner isn't like, can you pull on this latex outfit? Isn't, you know, here's a cat of nine tails. How hard can you swing it? The question that she puts to women when they're first beginning to explore domination is, what do you want right now? What do you want? That in a DS circumstance, you asking for what you want, requiring it of your sub that that can be the sort of gateway play. And maybe it'll lead to something more intense in time, maybe not. But what you might want is for your new male partner to go draw you a bubble bath. What you might want is an extended foot massage while you watch White Lotus. What you might want is for them to go make you dinner and figuring out how you can give orders that aren't trying to you know read your sub's mind and figure it out figure out what the order might be that they want and then giving that order and then moving on to the next order that they might want but figuring out how you can order them to do the things that you want because what they want is to be ordered around by you and they probably fantasized about being ordered around in particular ways or having particular things ordered you know ordered of them or being ordered to do particular things and you can work your way to more of that, more of what they want. But at least at first, while you get comfortable with DS, if indeed this is something you want to explore, what do you want? What can you order them to do that you would like done for you? Not trying again to figure out what order they might like to receive, but what do you want to receive from them? And then when it comes to pain play, like play is the most important word there. And, you know, sometimes people when it comes to pain play in S&M are like, oh, that's too extreme. That's too much because you're using, you know, a riding crop or you're using tit clamps. But, you know, often in vanilla sex, there's some holding down, some rolling around, some scratching, some gentle biting that inflicts about as much pain as a gentle pair of tit clamps might inflict. You're just, by bringing in the tit clamps instead of just using your fingers, you're making a kind of mild sensation play that some people would perceive as pain seem more dramatic by the use of these props and tools and implements. But you're not doing anything necessarily with those gentle BDSM toys, more extreme than you might do during vanilla sex. You're just using a magic wand 
while you're doing it. You're just bringing in a little bit of props and costumes. Baby steps are really important. Uh, I hope your new partner appreciates that you're even considering exploring these new things with them. And, you know, the, the last thing I would tell you is that mental image you have of a snarling dominatrix who's mean and cruel and says demeaning, degrading things. Yeah, that's a style of domination that some people enjoy performing. It's a style of dominant that some subs enjoy serving. But everyone who's a dom has a kind of different dominant personality. And you can be a friendly, encouraging dom and not a snarling dominatrix. And then just see what feels good, what feels right, where you could go a little further in conversation with him about what he might enjoy and his needs. But it's not, what you want to find is that that overlap, the, the middle of your Venn diagram between his submissive desires and your dominant pleasures and capabilities. And then you will find that little arena, that, that, that overlap in the center where you can enjoy potentially playing with this guy. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, my new favorite tool for shaving down there. Meridian offers powerful trimmers that cut through even the coarsest hair, but their trimmers are gentle enough for your privates. You'll enjoy a comfortable shave below the belt with no nicks, cuts, or ingrowns. Meridian trimmers are for men, they're for women, they're for non-binary folks, and they're for any style, whether you prefer completely bare, neatly trimmed scruff, or a well-rounded bush. This high-quality waterproof trimmer is fitted with a 6,000 RPM motor, safe ceramic blades, and an anti-nick shaving guard. And Meridian has so many happy customers, over 1,000 five-star reviews online. With the Meridian trimmer, you can get your body hair looking just how you like it and feel good and sexy with your fuzz. Get a Meridian trimmer today for the ultimate trimming experience without the pain, discomfort, or awkwardness. Order now and take control of your grooming routine on your own terms. Listeners of the Savage Lovecast get an extra 15% off your order using the coupon code SAVAGE. Go to M-E-R-I-D-I-A-N grooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. You deserve a better and safer below-the-belt trimming experience, and with Meridian Trimmer, you can get one today. Oh, my God. Okay. Hi. <laughs> um, how do I stay married and stay sane for the next three years until I can divorce my husband and not get deported? Because we got married last April. I found out he had been cheating since before we got married, and I, I can't leave, or I kiss goodbye a year of over 10 years and um I, I just got my green card but it's conditional any tips any 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 words of advice i still love him i obviously do i i did not marry him for the papers it was the catalyst but not the reason and uh, he's repentant but he still doesn't know why he did it and um, i'm really sad and um i don't trust him i don't trust myself i sometimes feel like i'm going crazy and like i'm living in a, another reality. You don't have to do anything right now. You're still reeling from what you've learned, that the man you married, the man you loved, and the man you say you still love cheated on you and has always, from the sounds of things, been cheating on you since before the marriage. And you probably have it in your head that 
infidelity is the unforgivable betrayal and adultery means a marriage must end. There are lots of people out there in marriages that survived infidelity, that survived adultery. He may not know why he did it. He probably did it because he's horny. He probably did it because he's selfish. When people say, I don't know why I did it, what I sometimes hear them say is that it's supposed to mean I don't love you and I do love you. And I did it anyway. And so it's hard to frame this because there isn't a cultural conversation about this. There isn't an intellectual framework that can support these two seemingly or what we've been told are contradictory truths. I love you and I cheated on you. If you loved me, you couldn't have done that is something or that somebody couldn't do that. You couldn't do that if love was true. And then people cheat or are cheated on and they and they doubt that the love was real and then they feel like they have no choice but to end the marriage since the marriage or the relationship is now proved has been proved to be a lie and that things are messier than that relationships are messier than that I'm not saying you have to stay in this marriage with this man who cheated on you forever but your question was how do I stomach it for the next three years so I can get my citizenship. And you go to the mattresses, you you don't move out, you de-escalate, you talk to a therapist, and you live with the cheater, and you live with having been cheated on, and you live with that contradiction that somebody that you love and still love and somebody who loved you and may still love you was capable of doing this shitty thing that isn't too terribly uncommon and happens in a lot of committed relationships and happens in a lot of marriages and is something that some relationships come back from. I think that may be the, what would help you most to, to hold in your head right now. Not that you have to stay forever, but you're going to have to stay for at least the next three years. And who knows? You just found this out. You're still reeling. You're still in maximum pain. Who knows how you'll feel a year from now, two years from now. Right now, you project yourself two years into the future and you feel then, you assume you're going to feel then the exact same way that you feel now. It may be just 24 short months into the future, you've moved past this that you've healed from it and the relationship has healed from it. And maybe holding that possibility will make it possible for you to do this other thing that you need to do for yourself, which is to stay in this marriage, whether you want to stay in it or not. Maybe thinking that 24 months later, this marriage that you stayed in, not because you wanted to, but because you had to, you're going to wake up and realize it's a marriage that you're glad to still be in. And holding, even if it's a small chance, that that might happen. Holding that in your head, finding a space for that even possibly in your heart will make it easier for you to get through the next two or three years. And then if it doesn't play out that way, if two years from now you're as done with him as you are today, three years from now, then you can leave him. But it'll make it easier to get to that point, to get to three years from now. If you allow yourself some optimism, some hope, however faint, for a future where even if you do wind up divorcing, the divorce is more amicable and less fireworksy than it would be if you left right now.
Hey, everybody. Here in Seattle, it's getting hot. So here's the perfect Dipsy story. It's a summer heat wave and Katie can't sleep. But when Jesse shows up outside her window, he has the perfect idea for how they can cool off. That story is called Night Swim. Here's another one. Henry from the story Fixer Upper is here to make you feel good after a long day. He's attentive and gentle as he massages you and pulls out your favorite toy. Yeah, get busy, Henry. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of stories are voiced acted by people of color. This is perfect for people who prefer to use their imagination rather than their eyeballs. You know what I'm saying? New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and all these cool workshops I discovered, like techniques you can try with a partner, breathwork exercises, a sexting tutorial, and tons of other classes. And they also have sexy stories that you can just read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or heat things up with a partner or the whole squad. For listeners of the show, Dipsy's offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com savage. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash savage, dipsystories.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I'm a 38 cishet female coming to you live for Australia with a question about a guy I've been dating for about four months. He is a beautiful, honest man, and I've, I've always wanted someone super honest without a filter, and he is that. He was in a relationship for 15 years with someone who was never really attracted to, but they're, you know, incredibly close, got along really well, are still really close friends. She cheated on him. Um, they got separated, but never divorced. Uh, and they've separated for three years. So we've been dating for four months. And he describes her as his best friend. He mentioned really early that she's his best friend and always will be. And we'd like be okay with that. And I was a bit hesitant. And now I realize that means he talks about her all the time. He catches up with her regularly. You know, he always describes their time together as we, so like almost like present tense, and he's still not divorced. And I've asked him to kind of cut out the talking about her. I just, I kind of got sick of it. You know, he was taking phone calls from her while I'm in the house and texting her, and this was really early on. I just said, you know, you need to kind of cut that out. And I've unexpectedly become really jealous and insecure, and I feel really threatened by her connection to him. And I can't imagine ever being okay with it. I lashed out at him while I was drunk the other night and accused him of being in love with her, which I don't think he is. I just think he misses what he had with her in that kind of companionate relationship and he wants to continue that connection. I don't know how to be okay with that. I want the potential to be the most important person in someone's life. I don't know how to be cool with it. It feels like I'm dating someone in a companionate relationship. That's what it feels like and I don't want that. But I also don't want to feel jealous. You don't have to date this guy. Period. The end. I, I don't know what else to say. You don't want to date someone who is in love with someone else. You don't want to date someone who's still married to someone else. You don't want to date someone who can't shut up about someone else. There's being friends with your exes and then there's not being exes with your ex. And it doesn't sound like he's exes with his ex. They're still together 
together, even if they aren't living together, even if they're dating other people. She takes up a lot of emotional space, space that you would like if, you know, in an ideal relationship, you would like to have available to you, space you would like to occupy. And that space is occupied right now in his life. And it doesn't sound like that's going to change. So exit this relationship. Leave this guy. Don't issue an ultimatum. Don't say her or me. Don't put him in a position where he's going to sneak around to see her or talk to her or your, even if he successfully dials it back, you're always going to worry that he's sneaking around to talk to her. Just, just end it. Just go find someone who isn't married to someone else and still in a kind of romantic, platonic, companionate love with someone else. If you were a different person and wanted different things, he might be a good partner for you. If you wanted to be in a relationship and have a primary partner, but not have somebody who's taking up a lot of your emotional bandwidth, who didn't need a lot of your time or attention because you were an independent person, a bit of an introvert, you liked a lot of alone time, and this other person, his ex existed, who was always happy to listen to him complain about his day, you might be a great partner. He might be a great partner for you under those circumstances. Not who you are. Not a great partner for you. You got to know when to fold them. Like the great Kenny Rogers said, you haven't failed if under different circumstances he might be right for you, but under these circumstances, under his circumstances, he's wrong for you. Go find somebody who's right for you, not this guy. And I say that as someone who thinks that like sometimes it can work out when you have more than one romantic or sexual partner and a person can be in love with more than one person at a time. But that doesn't mean every person can or should or should try. This show is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're setting up a business or getting a creative or political project off the ground, you will find an indispensable partner in Squarespace. They make it easy to put together a good looking website, blog or online store. They have everything you need. Domains, marketing tools, analytics, e-commerce, 24-7 support. They even have this logo-making tool that's fun to play with. They have great search engine optimization tools. So every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help raise your site higher on search results. Would you be able to do that? I don't know how to do that. Squarespace empowers millions of creative types and entrepreneurs by providing them with the tools they need to bring their smart ideas to life. You can put together video ads, launch online courses, put out a virtual tip jar. All the tools you need to monetize your website and reach your goals are there waiting for you. You'll create powerful email content that matches your website with your existing products, blog posts, and logo, so your messaging is consistent and effective. And what's more, everything you make with Squarespace translates perfectly to mobile. Head on over to squarespace.com savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com savage and use the offer code savage. Hi, Dan. I'm calling as I'm a Bay Area bisexual girl newly moved to a small town. I had pretty low expectations for my dating life when I moved to this small, small, and we're talking very small, like under 5,000 people. My conundrum is that I dated a man for only a few months. It was very casual. Well, not casual. We were boyfriend and girlfriend, but it was very quick. Fast forward, it's now been two months since we broke up, and their friend has contacted me 
and asked if I would be willing to be him and his partner's unicorn. Usually I'm not into being a unicorn. I have in the past, but I find it to be complicated. But these people are very hot. My issue is, though, this human is my ex's best friend. Are very close. They hang out weekly. And does it reflect poorly on him that he would reach out to me? Should I take that as a red flag? He assures me that my ex-boyfriend will never find out and it's not a big deal and that a friendship is possible with everyone involved. And I know that this is kind of a straight land kind of person problem, but am I being a bad ex and is this potential partner being a bad friend? Well, if they're keeping it secret, if part of his pitch is your ex, my best friend, never needs to know and will never find out about this, I think implicit in that offer of secrecy is bad friendism. Maybe your ex would have a problem with it and he knows it and wants to do it anyway. Does seem like a straight thing to me that my exes can't ever date anybody that I know, anybody I like, anybody's my friend can't date or touch my exes. That is less common in queer land. You say you're bi and from the Bay Area, I'm sure you dated people who dated exes or were exes of friends of yours in the past. There is a certain scarcity when it comes to being queer that takes off the table that weird territorial horseshit that straight people engage in. You Where you are right now sounds like shit is scarce and you are tempted. Scarcity plus the hotness of this couple has added up to you not recognizing perhaps or, or, or wanting me to minimize how big a red flag that we're going to keep it a secret thing is. Can you keep being a unicorn a secret? We're not talking. When someone says we want you to be our unicorn, they don't mean we want to have a three-way one time. We want to mess around. And, you know, when you mess around with somebody, you don't have to let everybody that you know know that you messed around with somebody. That can be private. A three-way. If they came to you and said, hey, let's mess around, it would bother Joe if Joe knew that the three of us messed around. So we're going to mess around tonight. We don't have to tell Joe. It would be courteous of us to just run Joe on a need to know basis. And Joe doesn't need to know this, but unicorn regular thing, dating some sort of three-way relationship, hierarchical poly thing going on between you three, hiding that over time. That's not possible without a lot of running interference, lying, subterfuge, sins of omission, lies of omission and commission. And that's not workable. So if maybe a little clarity from this hot couple, when you say unicorn, do you mean we're all going to date and I'm going to be a secondary partner? Or do you mean like we're going to fuck around tonight? If it's fuck around tonight, maybe. If it's we're going to date and we're going to date in the closet, we're going to keep you a secret. Yeah, no, that won't work. And I don't want to say they're assholes for asking. They asked and, you know, sometimes people get out over their skis when they ask because they're horny and they're not thinking things through. And given an opportunity to 
think a little harder, think a little softer, a little post-nut clarity, and then thinking about it, they'll recognize why often people will recognize why that wasn't workable and why that wasn't a reasonable ask. But you're in a town of 5,000 people. And if I were your ex and you hadn't gotten laid in a long time and the choice for you were my hot friends or nothing at all for a very long time, even if I was hurt because you fucked my hot friends, I would understand. Hey, Dan and the Savage Lovecast crew. Cis straight male here with a quick question about grooming down there. What are we doing, guys? What are we doing in 2023? Are we, uh, are we just trimming a little bit? Are we shaving? Are we letting it grow totally wild? I know everybody's different and there's no right answer to this, but just wondered if there was like a consensus for what people want to see when they get down there. Let me know what y'all think. Well, we'll toss this out there and other people can call in and share their... It's nice to hear the G word. Nice to hear grooming in reference to actual grooming hygiene practices as opposed to the toxic shit going on about grooming politically in our culture now. Yeah, share your grooming tips. What I would say is there's no one answer. There's no right answer that you can go bare every once in a while. You can keep it trimmed. You can let it all grow out that your pubic hair is not a static thing and you don't have to choose one particular presentation or style and you can just groom the way you feel like grooming that particular day, that particular week. And so can your partner or partners. I think people get anxious about what I should do about my pubic hair as if they're like, it's a tattoo. You're going to get it and then you're stuck with it forever. It's not like you trim your pubic hair once, give yourself that little Hitler mustache pussy thing or a little landing strip and then you're stuck with that forever like a tribal tattoo. No, you get to, you get to play. Your pubic hair is a garden. You get to weed it and you get to little topiary. You get to to trim and play and let it grow back and take it all off again and have fun with it. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read a couple of comments left on last week's show at savage.love. Says Marsh LC, for Christ's sake, Dan, stop with the I'm not allowed to say, and I'm afraid to say, and I'll get yelled at if I say nonsense. You sound like Tucker Carlson bitching about cancel culture. You are allowed to say what you want, Dan. People just might disagree with you, and then you can listen to what they have to say. Okay, okay, Marsh LC, I have internalized your critique. I now know I am not allowed to say, I am not allowed to say, and if you ever hear me say again that I'm afraid to say, feel free to yell at me. Says JPW, I'm sure Dan gets a lot of angry responses sometimes, but that's not the same thing as being canceled, and Dan's willingness to be thoughtful, to listen to viewpoints other than his own, and his basic desire to be inclusive and nice are all things that make it unlikely he'll ever be canceled. Thank you, JPW. Says Crin Reads, I get why both Dan and Meredith were uncomfortable answering the question about the woman who called about no longer feeling attracted to her husband who has gained weight. There is certainly no easy answer, but come on, Dan, nobody chooses to gain weight. Point taken, people, however, sometimes choose to stop taking care of themselves, which can result in weight gain, can also result in weight loss. These things can't be difficult to talk about, which is why Meredith and I squirmed our way through that response. But I agree with Crin Reads. 
We got to look at the bigger picture here and be curious about what larger factors could lead to conditions that contribute to this kind of change in someone's appearance. Thanks to everyone who left comments at savage.love on the podcast and the column this week. And thanks to everyone who posted to your social media about the show. We really appreciate how you help spread the word about the Savage Lovecast. And now, something else we appreciate week after week, listener response calls. Hey, Dan, Nancy, et al. Responding to the call from episode 865 about the gentleman reporting blood coming out of his penis. Site many men would count themselves lucky to not be able to recall in any detail. You mentioned a lot of the scary reasons, but you did not mention the one reason that that actually happened to me with. And in that case, it was kidney stones. Nasty little fuckers, as they move through the uterus, they can cause all kinds of havoc. Sometimes they shred it up and blood gets into your bladder and also will come out through your semen. I'm not a doctor, but this is what happened to me. Solved it with going hard on water. <laughs> Week or two, pretty much cleared. After that, uh, you should be back to pearly white. Hey, response call for the guy who's trying to figure out how to get motivated to exercise. I have a couple other options for this guy that worked really well for me. So the first one is to broaden your idea of exercise into things that you find fun. So there's so many things in the world that are exercise. Uh, for me, it's dancing, going on nature walks, might be kickboxing, might be you know canoeing, like whatever it is. If you're starting with something that your body feels good from and that you also really enjoy and look forward to, that's just going to create a little groove in your head uh, where you're going to be more likely to then broaden that into other types of exercise. And then the second thing is consistency is super, super important. Creating this pattern makes it way easier to then exercise later. So there's these apps where you can do just like a five-minute daily exercise. They turn it into a challenge. So there's a little bit of a game element. And you really just have no excuse. It's five minutes a day. Once you form that habit, then you are going to crave exercise, I promise you. So uh, keep at it and just try and look at it through a different lens. Hey, Dan. Hey, this is for the guy that can't seem to get it up to uh, exercise uh, episode 865. What I would suggest to him is hiring a personal trainer uh, and working out with a personal trainer a few days a week. You know, basically all he would have to do is get through the door and the personal trainer will kick his ass from there. And in between, walk, eat right, and I think that'll do it. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? You can go to savage.love slash askdan to record your question or your comment. Or you can use the voice memo app on your phone and email your question or comment to q at savage.love. And you can also call us and leave a message at 206-302-2064. I've been rerunning some very early Savage Love columns at savage.love while I'm home recovering from shoulder surgery. The classic Savage Love that went up today features the birth of one of my readers' favorite Savage Love-isms. How'd that happen? Also up now, a clap back to a woman who couldn't understand that her gay uncle was doing her a favor when he warned her the guy she was engaged to was gay himself. Help for a hapless straight man trying to find a clip and hope for a woman who wished her ex-boyfriend had never touched her. All of these columns from the hay faggot pre-internet days haven't been seen by readers' eyes for decades. You can read them right now at savage.love. 
Follow me on Instagram at Dan Savage and yes, still on Twitter at Fake Dan Savage. Also now on Blue Sky at Dan Savage. Follow Lucy Cook on Twitter at Ms. Lucy Cook. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at risk youth and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you as ever for downloading.